Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Uh, a momentous week on a number of fronts. In fact, yeah, exactly, exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and in true personal form, I managed to find some jokes about the Supreme Court that I, I thought, you know, it's like, let's get right to the jokes. It'll be fun. Now, you know how occasionally I like to find l- little stories that children tell to illustrate things? Well, I couldn't do that this time. These are actually comedians, young comedians that wrote some material, one-liners basically, based on recent Supreme Court issues. So here we go. Uh, Comedian Warren Holstein says, the Supreme Court legalizes gay marriage. So dudes who vowed not to marry their girlfriends until everyone could are having some awkward conversations this weekend. (laughs) Comedian Adam West says, the Supreme Court rules in favor of gay marriage. My mistress and I agree that this is going to completely ruin the sanctity of my sixth marriage. David Waghalter says, the Supreme Court rulings are a great way to be reminded of how many, many people on Facebook and Twitter are legal experts. (laughs) Comedian Vilma says, the Supreme Court has judged in favor of same-sex marriages. Attorneys everywhere rejoice. (laughs) I know. It does have, if you think about it, it has that side to it too, doesn't it? All right, and finally... Uh, Comedian Neil Berliner says, keep judging stuff, Supreme Court. You're greasing the wheels of comedy regardless of the decisions you make. (laughs) All right. We're actually going to talk a little bit about uh, judging uh, today. In fact, if you remember, that was the homework I assigned for last week. Those of you who were here last week, uh, we're doing kind of the judgment watch. We're covering this month the idea of the shadow effect. And, and what we've learned through working through this book over the last few Sundays is that one of the key areas where our shadow selves, where our, our, our negative self, where, where the pieces of us that, that really kind of rebel against being good or have contrary positions, even when they harm ourselves and others, one of the places that they primarily just rush out is in the area of judgment. And so your homework for last week was just to notice this, just to notice when you're judging other people, um, other groups of people, when you find yourself either putting down or, or standing in judgment over someone else. Now, regardless, I would say, even whether you might think you have a good reason for it. And that's where I actually, I want to start out. I want to start out with a reading. We're in the part of the book now that Marianne Williamson wrote. And I think this is really interesting what she says. She says, consider when someone has behaved in a way that seems undeserving of our love or attention. At such a moment, extending our love or compassion to that person feels like the wrong thing to do. Withholding our love somehow feels right. In that moment, that little bit of unloving thought or judgment, it seems like a tiny thing, even a reasonable judgment. This is the root of all evil. It is the cornerstone of the shadow's thought system 
for it involves a separation from you and your fellow human and moreover a separation from God as we cast blame and shame. Think about this. Marianne Williamson, who I pretty well respect as both an author in in the New Thought Movement as well as a self-help person, I mean, this is a pretty uh, dramatic pronouncement that really judgment is the root of all evil. And so I want to play with this a little bit today. First of all, I looked up the idea of judgment in the dictionary and on the Wikipedia, and it sounds so innocent. Let me tell you about what the basic definition of it is, because it's very simple. Judgment is simply the evaluation of evidence to make a decision. So it's just an evaluation of evidence to make a decision. And so a very neutral kind of thing would be, well, based on traffic and and based on the time of the day, what's the path I'm going to take to get home tonight from work, right? So I use my available evidence. Maybe I have a, you know, maybe a Garmin tells me there's traffic on the freeway or or maybe I just realize that at four o'clock on Friday, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's like make alternate plans. But whatever my path, is, I use the evidence to help me make a decision. Well, there's certainly nothing harmful in that, is there? But the Wikipedia goes on to talk about how it is we come up with these decisions. And it says that it really takes four different parts or four different ways. It says that, first of all, we can make our decision based on opinions expressed as facts. Now, notice this one gets us into a little bit of trouble, doesn't it? Because if I make a decision based on an opinion, then the decision itself is probably open to interpretation, isn't it? It's not really the right decision if it's based on opinion. It's just the decision I happen to make based on my own view of reality. And here's where we get into trouble. Very often we claim it as though it were the God's truth, don't we? We will state our opinion just as though some jury somewhere on high said that's the way it should go. Uh, Adam, back in the sound booth, and I were kind of laughing a little bit this morning. Uh, you may have noticed many of our, uh, of our women in leadership around here are gone today. They're at, at our annual women's retreat down in Silver Falls and having, I'm sure, a fabulous time. So Adam and I, since the ladies were gone, we took control of the air conditioning. We, lo- we, we lowered the temperature in here by two or three degrees. Why we did this, <laughs> yeah. some of you were like nodding, others of you were putting your sweaters a little higher on, right? It's an opinion, right? Because Adam and I were in charge today, we like it a little on the cooler side, right? When some of the other people are in charge and setting up on Sunday, they like it a little on the warmer side. And I got to tell you, every now and then, it's presented as one we're correct <laughs> versus an opinion. <laughs> and that's why we were laughing about it a little bit. I, I still remember at one time when one of the women that usually sits in the front row was like, oh, it's blowing on me. <laughs> and, the, and the sense is, of course, we all have opinions and there's nothing wrong with that. It's what makes life flavorful, Right? <laughs> That's what opinions are about. We all get to experience each other in our divine diversity and our divine differences, and and that's great. But then we have to go and do that extra little piece, which is to roll it into a judgment and say, 
And that's because you're just wrong. The heat should be at a certain temperature. It's just the way it should be. And I'll use, a, I'll use another example that was a little more painful to me. I was at the supermarket um, early last week, and apparently they were training a, a new cashier. And so I kind of wondered why there weren't very many people in the line I was getting into. And once I was there for about a minute, I realized, well, it's a very slow-moving line because this particular new employee didn't really know all the codes yet and was having to look up a lot of things. And, and they were just moving more slowly. And as soon as I realized that, I went, oh, well, it's no big deal. I'm fine with that. Oh, my gosh, when I think of the people in the world who have had to put up with me when I was learning something or knew it something, it's like, sign me up. You know, I'll be happy and ple- Whoa, but the fellow in front of me wasn't having any of it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we were both having the same experience, right? In fact, he was in front of me. <laughs> so his experience, if it was all about haste, you know, he was going to get through ahead of me. Oh, my gosh, he was in judgment. How da- dare Fred Meyer put this person who's clearly untrained and maybe even untrainable, Right? right? Layering on that judgment beyond just what the facts were, coming up with an opinion about this person in training, right? Clearly an opinion based on what kind of evidence? Like a second in the checkout line? But don't we do those kinds of things? Don't we make our judgments, our decisions, sometimes based on such a tiny slice of time in someone else's life? We'll, we'll not have a babysitter back because we observed in a, in a two-second slice of time a, a, an unwanted interaction between a babysitter and a child. We'll, we'll notice the, the smallest little thing. You'll, you'll maybe have an experience in having your car worked on and just rule it off the planet based on maybe a, a two-second interchange. And you'll even, even, I think, add a layer of complexity of it by saying things like, oh, I'll never recommend that place. Those people are awful, At, right? As though you'd lined them all up one by one and evaluated them. Oh, you're, not, you're at least a nine on the awful scale, and, and here's my evidence. And, that, and see, that's the trouble, and that leads us into the third way we make decisions, which is actually the way that's useful. It's based on cognitive faculties and provable evidence. So that's the one way in the Wikipedia it says that judgments are actually important. That's how we make good decisions, and they're not so much a a character judgment as they are literally a discernment on what ought to happen. That's back to the freeway example. But when we base on limited information, when we base a a decision on, uh, uh, on just an opinion, we get into all kinds of trouble. The last two ways that we make decisions are based on jurisprudence, and that would be our Supreme Court example, right? Now we're in a place where gay marriage and affordable health care have been affirmed through the Supreme Court. But you know what? That also isn't necessarily truth with a capital T. All you have to do is just visit another country where those those things are not allowed or are not available. And it's not that suddenly, overnight, America was made 
right <laughs> and some other country was made wrong. Do you know what I mean? So even the, the truths, even the things that we enjoy that are legislated for us or are part of the law, part of that jurisprudence, they're nonetheless nothing much more than a collective opinion, right? We as a group of people are going to agree that we should drive on the right-hand side of the road, for instance, right? It doesn't make Britain bad people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that when you visit Australia, those people are stupid because they're driving on the wrong side of the road. And yet, and yet there's that little bit of urge in us sometimes, I think, to correct the rest of the world, right? That my opinion, for whatever reason, <laughs> ought to be the opinion. And I gotta tell you, I'm right in there with Marianne Williams. I don't know that it's the root of all evil, but I will tell you, it certainly is the root of more disagreements and bad feelings than I see among anything else. It's when one person, for whatever reasons, wants beyond all other wantings to be right to have their opinion be the opinion and the universe revolve around it. And when someone gets there, what they don't realize is almost by definition, they are asking for trouble. Almost by definition, because it's an opinion presented as a fact, People see that. People understand that. It would be like going to Baskin Robbins ice cream store with a friend and saying, oh, and she'll have the coconut because that's the right ice cream. It'd be like, what the hell? What do you mean? I want my Jerry Garcia. Don't mess with me. It's like our lives are full of opinions but when we elevate them to truth, when we begin thinking that our opinions should work for someone else, and then even begin judging them as inferior or stupid or naive or, or the many terms we use to, to sort, of, sort of make our own opinion greater by putting someone else's opinion in the lesser role. And, and I think that's the, the key of judgment, or, or, or that's the... That's the something that we need to watch for. Anytime when we're making a discernment and somehow because of it, I get to feel superior or I get to feel prettier or I get to feel more powerful or I get to feel richer. And the way that's happening is by lowering someone else, right? Have you ever been in one of the, well, and don't, actually don't admit to this because I don't want to know, but, <laughs> but have you ever been in one of those sort of positions where you were reviewing people as they were walking by? Oh, look at her. She sure doesn't know how to dress. Oh, look at him. Doesn't he walk funny? Oh, look at him. He has no fashion sense whatsoever. <gasps> look at that comb over. Doesn't he know how ridiculous that is to have what little hair he has? Right? Right? Okay, I will, uh, I will admit I have done that before. What it's really doing is saying, I'm a little insecure in how I look. What it's really doing is saying that this issue of how to look and how to act and how to walk and things like that, that if I can't somehow make myself be the example of how it should be, then I'm not good enough. I don't want to be that person. 
I don't want to be the person that is bolstering who I am by, by tearing down other people. And that, I think, is the heart of judgment in a way. It shows that somehow we think there's something missing in us when we're correcting other people. Is it just a reflection of some of the things that we're a little worried about ourselves? I think that's often the case. So the two things you want to look for, and when it's a discernment based on actual facts and and a good discernment versus kind of a a judgment, the two things you want to look for is first, is it opinion, right, rather than actual facts that can be verified, and is it making you feel something? Because I got to tell you, if it's just a matter-of-fact decision based on the facts, it's just how you drove home. It's no big deal. It doesn't make you feel in a certain way because you're just making a decision on the facts. But if you make a decision or if you make an opinion and you go, yeah, because I'm right. I feel satisfied. Now everybody knows how it's supposed to be, right? I feel a little taller because everyone in the room gets the reality, <laughs> when of course the reality is just an opinion. Now you, now you know I like Jerry Garcia, right? <laughs> just an opinion. So these are the things to watch for. Okay, so now on to curative action. If you've noticed that you are judging someone and you want to make a change, how do we go about that? Well, it's no different than what we've been discussing this week. First of all, you have to shine a light on it. You have to actually admit to yourself that I'm doing it. I'm gossiping about someone. I'm judging someone. I'm taking my own ideas of what I think are right for just me, and I'm trying to put those on to someone else to make me feel better. I'm trying to diminish someone else that I might feel okay. I want to be the big guy. I want to be on top. I want to be the whatever it is I want to be. And in this moment in time, I admit to myself, I'm actually lashing out or projecting onto others to create that feeling in myself. This isn't pleasant, I got to tell you, right? Shining the light on some of the harsh truths about our own thinking may not be a pleasant thing to do, but oh my gosh, is it worth it? Because as soon as you shine the light instantly, you have new choices available to you. You can begin seeing the world not as right or wrong, but as a, an amazing variety of colors and shades. And, and, and it's like infinity opens up where before there was only right or wrong and by gum, I better be right. Now there's just an amazing variety of the universe and in all of its flavors and colors and and differences and none of them are right and none of them are wrong. Or maybe a better way of looking at it is they're all right for the people making those decisions and having those opinions. Everyone, right? You want to be entitled to your own right of opinion, your own desires fulfilled, your own way of being in the world. And so as soon as we shine that light on our judgments, we realize that when I stop judging other people in other situations, I'm setting myself free. I don't have to be right anymore. I can just be me. It takes the pressure off. There's additional freedom to be had simply by shining that light and recognizing that I've been judging myself. The other thing that you can do, I think that is important, is to, in a way, make peace with it. So each of us have a little bit of this shadow self hanging around, right? Our job isn't to kill it off, I don't think. I think I will always have thoughts that will come up to be healed. 
probably another 50 years from now, if I'm still alive, I'll still wander into a store somewhere and have an unkind thought about some stranger that I've never met because, I don't know, I have to wait too long in the line at the bathroom or, or, or the store that advertised the sale, for God's sakes, is out of the one thing I want that's on sale, right? Who hasn't been in judgment over Fred Meyer or Safeway when you're only there to get one item that's on sale and they're out of it, right? It's like, <laughs> so I think those thoughts will always come up. It isn't about killing off my shadow person. It isn't about divorcing myself from negative thinking or negative thoughts or beliefs. It's really being at peace with it. It's knowing that, yes, these things will come up. I see it, and I have an option around reacting it. I don't let the shadow effect just take over and, and walk down that path of abuse or judgment. Instead, I say, oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? Here I've driven all this way for my whatever that's on sale, and I guess I'll just see if I can get a rain check. Do you know what I mean? It's okay to feel the way you feel. It's okay for the shadow thoughts to be there. And if we're aware of them, maybe we will make a different outcome for the world. The other thing besides making peace with yourself in your own heart to integrate some of those shadow thoughts, of course, we may need to make amends out in the world, right? The fellow in front of me at that line that had the, the, the new employee learning how to do uh, retail sales, he actually said a very unkind thing about this person, and I think she heard it. How would it be on your first or second day to have someone say, why did Fred Meyer hire this person? She probably is never going to be able to be a retail check. She's just slow. How would it feel if that was your first or second day on the job? Oh, my gosh. It's like when I got up, I apologized for him. I mean, I know that's not the same, you know, I mean, I said, how hard it must be to be on your first day. And, you know, please just take anything that people say with a grain of salt. Because learning a new job is difficult. And bless you for, for being here, right? It's like, let's make amends when we see people harshly judging others. Or, or when you yourself may have made a mistake and called someone out in a way that perhaps is a little too cruel or a little too harsh. Let us take the chance at making amends, at apologizing, at making it right. This is how I think the world actually comes about being a good place. It's not that we're ever going to stamp out all the mistakes. See, that's what I think that somehow in our heart we pray, and this gets back to last week, right? In the 60s, we thought we had finished out racism because we passed a lot of civil rights uh, laws, right? We talked about that a little bit last week. You see, the specter of the shadow self is always going to exist. We can't just ignore it. We can't say, oh, well, we took care of that already. It's like we have to keep vigilantly noticing what's going on in our lives, whether it's racism, whether it's judgment, anything that that shadow self may present to us, we have to be ready to make peace with it again and again and again. It's not about killing off the thought. It's not about being perfect. It's about when we see the flaws, when we see the injustice, when we see things going on that just aren't loving and right, we stand up for the real truth, the truth of love, 
the truth of hope, the truth of joy. We make what amends we need to do for our own behavior, if we can, even for the behavior of others. And we move on. We begin shining that light. We begin standing up for what's important. I'm going to close today with the tiniest bit of homework. You're going to like this homework. We're coming up on July 4th, and I would like you to celebrate. Now, of course, you may be celebrating with a picnic or being out at the lake, uh, you know, cooling off down at the beach, or you might go someplace with fireworks. I want you to celebrate the progress that you have already made on your spiritual path. Because what I know, if you're sitting in these seats, you have already done a fair amount of introspection. I bet you are much less likely to be the gossiper or the person to be, you know, reading people's beads. I I bet the people in this room are already a leg, maybe two legs, maybe even up on the shoulders of where you were five years ago or ten years ago. And I would like us to celebrate that. We have made tremendous progress together. We're not perfect. We'll probably never be perfect, and that's okay, because we have upped our self-awareness. We're even this much more, and I think some of us way more than that, but I think all of us are at least this much more aware of how our thinking, how our words, how our actions and our deeds affect other people, and we're getting better at this thing called life, both for ourselves and others. So celebrate. Now, now how does that look? It might be taking yourself out to do something special uh, this week. It might be uh, uh, cel- literally celebrating, maybe plan a dinner around uh, like a coming of age kind of thing, right? I'm on my spiritual path and I've made progress this year. Uh, but don't just think that it, of it the 4th of July this year as, as kind of the celebration of the birth of our country. Also think of it as a rebirth of your own consciousness because we have made tremendous progress this year so far and you should enjoy that. I'm going to close with a final, uh, final quote from this book from Marianne Williamson and of course a prayer. She says, most of us believe deep down that we can and shall rise up and become the people that we're capable of living. We can actualize our divine potential. We can cast out the shadows through a a passionate embrace and illumination of light. We can become a species of such light-filled consciousness that in our presence, darkness simply fades away. We can. As any one of us at any time chooses love instead of fear, chooses love instead of judgment, chooses love instead of lack or want, we add to a great wave of love that is washing over the world even as we speak. For the sake of the newborn and the flush of new love, for the glory of nature and the wonder of animals, for the mercy of God and the sake of our grandchildren, to honor the sunrise and preserve the sunset, it is time to represent love. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is this giant container of love. I call it God. They say that God is love, and, and I have this pet theory. My, my theory is that God created the universe just to express love. 
love for itself, to experience the love that people can have for each other, to recognize love in every person, every place, everything, and every situation. I think the universe simply is about and designed for love. And I know that means me. I know that my heart is open wide to both receive and give love that I put aside my petty judgments and my, my humanness as best I can and simply hold up the torch, the illumination for greater love, greater life, greater harmony, greater joy, greater peace. I see it wherever I go. I'm, I'm pleased to focus in on the, the sweetness of life and, and, and allow some of that, that shadow work simply to be, to recognize it, illuminate it, and move on. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the capability of becoming their best self, of integrating those shadow thoughts and ideas to illuminate them, make peace with them, and simply become better people. I'm grateful for this. Grateful for God showing up in this room as these hands and these hearts. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law. I simply let it be And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.